0: Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for yet another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. I believe that it's like vitally important to take a different approach to seemingly mundane topics in the aquarium hobby from time to time. It makes us think. It challenges our skills. It challenges our mindset and what we take for granted. We've talked ad nauseum about the relationship between terrestrial and aquatic habitats. It's so fundamental that we almost don't consider it in the hobby. And that's a real shame because within this relationship, there may be found many valuable takeaways which can unlock some secrets to fish care. We've studied and extensively embraced the interactions between materials like branches and roots in the aquatic environment, yet there are many others that we should explore more intensively in my opinion, like soil. The relationship between water and soil is actually a remarkably complex one with biological implications that we probably haven't even thought about very much as hobbyists. Studying how water gets to the aquatic habitats or how it creates them is a critical key to understanding the needs, the behaviors, and the adaptations of our fishes. And during that journey into the aquatic habitats, materials like humic substances, minerals, etc., will be absorbed into the water from the surrounding soil. Yeah, that's the interesting part. The surrounding geography and geology have as much to do with the ultimate water characteristics of a given habitat as anything else. Like so many things in nature, it's everything's somehow interrelated. Even fishes play a role in shaping the environment to a certain extent. Fishes which consume matter found in the substrate, you know, like detritivores, and other materials in the substrate, um, omnivores who eat worms and things like that, also play a fundamental role in the transportation of organic carbon, which is a source of energy for downstream fish communities. Through their foraging activities, these fishes uh, enhance the downstream transport and processing of organic materials and ensure that the proper functioning of the aquatic system and its biological community. So we have the terrestrial environment influencing the aquatic environment, and fishes that live in the aquatic environment influencing the terrestrial environment. These interdependencies are really complicated and really interesting. The overriding theme, again, is that geology influences water composition. Once again, bringing it all back to a more practical aquarium point of view, I can't help but wonder if working with different types of substrate materials, soils, sands, etc., in our makeup water containers could yield some similar effects to those we see when we steep leaves and botanicals in the the water. It's an easy idea to experiment with and a kind of sort of a, a proving ground for this You know, the aquarium basis for this relationship between uh, geology and and the aquarium uh, and the aquatic environment. Excuse me. Now, could the right combination of soils in both our makeup water containers and even in the aquarium create even more realistic water conditions for our fishes and aquatic plants? One can only wonder, although I think I know the answer. Would it make some sense to steep aquatic substrate in the containers where we prep our makeup water for our tanks, much like we've done with leaves and peat moss and stuff like that over the years? I think it makes a ton of sense. Uh, What can you expect from utilizing soils or specialized substrate materials in your water preparation process? Well, for one thing, many substrates will likely have some impact on the pH or the alkalinity of the water, um, both in the prep container and ultimately in the aquarium. So wouldn't it make sense to experiment with, and I meant pH and hardness, I don't know why I said alkalinity, Um, but wouldn't it make some sense uh, to experiment with, uh, you know, substrates and soils as sort of water preparation vehicles? I think it would. Um, I think there's something very, I don't know, I can't think of the word, there's something very compelling about this. So the nice thing about it is just like with leaves and stuff, you can create Conditions exactly like in your aquarium by utilizing the same substrate material in a water prep container. I think it could be a cool experiment that ultimately could evolve simply into a process for conditioning water for our aquariums. We're seeing more and more specialized aquatic soils for plants, which are designed to stimulate or assimilate, you know, certain aspects of natural habitats in in which plants are found. And, you know, I think fishes are typically found in those habitats too, right? So Why should the plants have all the fun? (laughs) They shouldn't. Wouldn't it make sense to create some specialty substrates for use in tanks which, you know, feature fishes and not just plants or maybe are even devoid of plants? What potential benefits could our fishes, you know, uh, gain when we use these more, I don't know, technical aquatic substrates in our fish-centric, you know, style botanical aquariums? I think there's quite a few things to be gained there. Substrates, as we've discussed, have profound impact on the ecology of natural aquatic habitats as well as, they, as well as on aquariums. That was the whole basis behind our nature baseline of substrates, the hand-mixed stuff that we've done. It's been a while since we've launched our first ones, Agapo and Varzea, with a few more formulations nearing release. We have one like a Borneo-type substrate. I'm still trying to think of a fun name for it. Uh, we have mangal which is our brackish substrate which is working great and floresta our forest floor substrate for vivariums Uh, and the positive feedback from you our customers has been nothing short of incredible Um, we think that our focus on well-researched small batch formulated substrates just might change the way we think about substrates in the hobby at the very least the idea will impact how we integrate substrates into aquatic displays As a hobbyist, I find myself now busy designing aquatic displays around the substrate and its form and function. That's a totally different approach than I've taken in the past. It's been a ton of fun, too. It all began by looking at the big picture and by thinking and talking about the stuff we haven't given much thought to in years past. Substrates are not just stuff you put on the bottom of the aquarium, to me. Much like in nature, they're diverse harbors of life ranging from fungal and biofilm mats to algae to epiphytic plants to microorganisms, etc., etc. Decomposing leaves, seed pods, and tree branches further enrich the substrate, creating a kind of a complex web of life which helps the fishes that we're so fascinated by to flourish. It's very different than what we perceive to be natural in the aquarium for, I don't know, generations. And if you look at the substrates in natural aquatic habitats objectively and carefully, they're actually beautiful too. I'm fascinated by the different types of soils or substrate materials which occur in blackwater systems and their clearwater counterparts and how they influence the aquatic environment. We can study and attempt to replicate some of these processes and relationships in the aquarium and we should give due attention to researching the terrestrial habitats which surround the aquatic ones or habitats like igapo, which are transitional between, between terrestrial and aquatic at various times of the year. taking the time to study these habitats in their terrestrial state and understanding the composition of the soil and the plant species which reside in them can make a huge contribution to our knowledge as we attempt to replicate them in our aquariums. Yeah, if you'd have told me 20 years ago that I'd be, you know, pouring over scientific papers about, well, dirt on the forest floors of Amazonia, I would have been like, yeah, okay, right, right. But however, the reality is that in order to replicate habitats like flooded forests as an aquatic habitat, we need to understand them in their terrestrial state as well. Our friends who keep frogs and other herps uh, have a very interesting understanding of these habitats and we'd be well advised to uh, network with them, do some good research, have some good conversations with them. Again, uh, give some real thought to the idea of topography, geology, and substrate impacting the aquatic environment. It's hardly an alien concept to aquatic plant enthusiasts. I mean, They've been using using specialized substrates and additives in their substrates for years to grow healthy aquatic plants. With water finding its way into the streams, rivers, and other areas from so many sources, there's probably so much we can learn from finding out more about the surrounding areas themselves and how water ultimately makes it into the bodies of water that we're so obsessed with. This is an area of the study and the hobby that's really wide open for advancement in my opinion. The possibilities are just endless here. In habitats like Blackwater streams, the color, of course, is a visual indicator of an influx of dissolved materials that contribute to the richness of the environment. Indeed, uh, a Blackwater environment is typically described by ecologists as an aquatic system in which vegetation decays, you know, creating tannins that leach into the water, making this sort of transparent acidic water that's darkly stained and resembles tea. Of course, there's way more to it than that. Despite the appearance, as a general rule, Blackwater rivers... Real blackwater rivers are lower in nutrients than clear rivers. Now, why is this? Well, for one thing, they have very low concentrations of major ions like sodium, magnesium, potassium, and calcium, and a much lower conductivity and typically low levels of dissolved solids. Why? Blackwaters originate from sandy soils. High concentrations of humic acids in the, in the water are thought to occur in drainages with what scientists classify as podsol, the real sandy soils. It's a soil classification which describes a more or less infertile acidic soil having an ash-like subsurface layer from which all the materials have been leached by weathering. That last part's interesting, and it helps explain, in part, the absence of minerals in blackwater. Think about what that means for just a second, and about the many factors and processes that influence the water characteristics of these aquatic habitats. Geology is the key. So wouldn't it be interesting when contemplating more natural biotope or biotype aquariums to study and take into consideration the surrounding geology and physical characteristics of the habitat that we're interested in replicating? As we know by now, the influence of factors like soil and the surrounding geology, rocks specifically, play a huge role in the chemical composition and the appearance of the water. It's really no different in the aquarium, right? except that we've been playing with the software side, what I, what I call the software side, the use of terrestrial materials like seed pods, leaves, branches, that kind of stuff. And tannins from the wood and botanical materials leach in the water, providing that characteristic tint that we've become so accustomed to in our little niche. Well, so will soils and other substrate materials do that same thing? Yeah. So we should place as much emphasis on soils and geology as we do on the leaves. And I think that's really an important takeaway, isn't it? Something we need to think about more. Studying the characteristics of igapo um, and the Varzea forests of Amazonia, for example, has yielded m- me some really interesting insights. However, it's just a start. It, these are the textbook examples of geological influence on the aquatic environment, something that we can really run with in our aquarium interpretations of this habitat and others. And the idea of incorporating botanical materials into specialized substrates is practically a replication of what occurs in nature. We see it everywhere, and the impacts are profound. Yeah, I have this irresistible curiosity about the potential of botanical-influenced substrates to foster denitrification as well. So with that diverse assemblage of microorganisms and a continuous food source of decomposing botanicals sort of in situ, I can't help but think that such living substrates would create amazingly diverse and downright utilitarian biological support systems for our aquariums. I think that the idea of an enriched substrate, I guess for want of a better word, will become an integral part of the overall ecosystems that we create. Uh, Considering the substrate is both an aesthetic and a functional component of our tanks, even in a non-planted aquarium, it opens up a whole new area of aquarium exploration. The potential opportunities and breakthroughs are there. We just have to dig in, literally, and go after them. And studying the interdependencies and relationships between water and land is just the start of it all. Stay fascinated, stay curious, stay excited, stay resourceful, stay creative, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from and Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Ten.